Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. And just in case you're new here and you're like, what what am I getting myself into? Uh, In every episode, we do a brief overview, a three-word episode review. Then we analyze what happened on the pitch, the football stuff, what happens off the pitch, the workplace comedy stuff, and the main theme of the episode. We follow this with a little bit of pub trivia and finally crown a winner-winner football dinner of the episode just to take it on home. Well, today we are covering Season 2, Episode 3, Do the Rightest Thing. For our money, this might be the best lasso episode since the introduction of the Diamond Dogs. There's a ton to unpack, so let's go on an adventure down to Nelson Road Stadium for an absolute stunner of an episode. And and we wouldn't uh, be us without requesting that you engage with us on social media. So if you're looking for a conversation that extends to you know, your TikTok or your Twitter or your Instagram, we're at pod under dogs. So, uh, so hit us up there. All right. Well, before we jump into the episode, like we always do heads up, Dan's not here. So instead we pulled in a good friend of the pod, Megan Reyes to jump in. She is a true Ted head as she talks about. So anyways, we might as well kick it off. Like we always do now with the three word episode review. We're so happy to, to go first. And I said, feels so real. Mm. I connected with this one a ton This was the episode I think I'd been waiting for that I didn't know I was waiting for. And I was like Dwight Schrute fist pumps the whole time throughout the episode. Like just loved everything they attacked in this one. So again, feels so real for me. Uh, Nick, uh, clearly drinking some of that creative potion beforehand. This is surprisingly decent. I I wrote the script for this one. So if it sucks, blame Dan, uh, as always. Uh, Mine is by Dubai Air, which we will get into in a second. Catchy. You didn't. You didn't even need to spell it D U B Y E. Like you already said, bye. I wanted to. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you could have said Dubai Air. I didn't know we were copywriting the <laughs> ending here. Jeez. Not Did you get when you brought me on? Yeah, this one's not going on a T-shirt. Anyways, Megan, what about you? So mine wasn't as catchy, but the sports business side of me called it a beautiful case study which we can certainly dive into with mm. by Dubai Air. Yeah, I like that one for sure. As we always do, we like to break up the episode into what happened on the pitch and then what happened off the pitch. So starting with on the pitch, last episode, if you remember, that nothing really happened. We got like a cameo on pitch right at the very end. Jamie Thardage showed up. Uh, Sam, what we signed, he was having none of it. And then essentially the episode ended. So this time, much more uh, on-pitch action. So Jamie Tart, the prodigal son, in quotations, returns to AFC Richmond to the chagrin of almost every damn person within the organization, except Higgins. Sam lets Jamie have a bit of the business during training. Absolutely loved it. It was a clean tackle, by the way. I can't hear anything other than that. Uh, Nate the Great takes joy in seeing this. (laughs) He goes... He was really mean to me. <laughs> he like had a lot of PTSD hit him for he a second. He did that little, he's going to kill him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so good. Uh, Led Tasso, Ted's alter ego, makes an appearance during training in an effort to become the enemy that the team focuses on so Jamie can be part of the team more quickly as immediately deconstructed by Dr. Um, Sharon, Sharon Fieldstone. Fieldstone. Doc. Yes. Just Doc. <laughs> And it, yeah, uh, and then Richmond <laughs> break their streak of draws with the loss. But hey, beers around, boys. So, anyways, uh, Megan, where do you want to start with all the on the pitch action? There's quite a bit, obviously, that we can touch on. So, uh, dealer's choice. Where do you want to start? Let's start with lead. 
All right. <laughs> Does that mean I have to kick off the combo? You yeah. can. Yeah. So many. I mean, okay. So the whole season, we're three episodes in. So the these last three episodes are just so interesting to me, as you both know. Like, I'm so interested in sports and mental health. So when the first episode came out and they immediately brought in a sports psychologist, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my bread and butter. I like where this is going. So I thought it was so interesting, his reverse psychology. I don't know if it really worked. I mean, it worked in the sense, but I, there's so many layers I want to unpack there. And I haven't really talked about this with anyone yet because I don't think any of my friends have seen it. So I'm curious what you guys think about it. I mean, it was really funny, but from a pure, like tactical psychological standpoint, I think it was kind of weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, it wasn't my favorite thing that they've ever done on the show, frankly. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was fine. It was kind of quirky and funny. I, I thought it was like, I was hoping that the Jamie return would be more awkward for a longer period of time because I think he is like the foil in the show. Like he's he's not supposed to be the guy that everyone rallies around. He's supposed to be someone who annoys everybody or pisses everybody off. And so to like see him in bed with the team that quickly, I think was a little weird to me. But I mean, if you only have 12 episodes, you can't really waste time on something that might not be as important as we get down the road in these episodes. So that, that's kind of where I'm coming at uh, at it from, Brayden. What's better than spending money on love, Nick? Might I ask? Threads the needle, baby. PS5s needle. for everybody! Uh, back to Led <laughs> Tasso. Uh, look, Meg, I had flashbacks. I was like, oh, shit, college soccer. Here we go. All over again. I'm like, seen this one a million times. But I was actually surprised that he kind of like committed to it the entire session. I thought like he would finally break and be like, okay, guys. Or I was hoping he would, like he was just too erratic. Like he didn't use it to affect, right? Like he had, he started to make a good point by saying this day you stop doing the right thing, you start doing the wrong thing and you're that much closer to always doing the wrong thing. And then like the whole sexualization of the soccer ball and making out with it, I was like, uh, okay, this, it just got weird. But I was hoping he would like, you know, give him a little bit of in the soccer world, the hair blow or the hair dryer treatment and say, no, no, no. Look, these draws are unacceptable. Like the standard and the level of play needs to be better. Like, hey, it's about time you guys have this reality check that we're having too much fun. We need to balance the competitiveness with the fun. But it it just went sideways to kind of Nick's point. And then when you talk about Jamie's part, I think they're rushing through a lot of things without giving things time to breathe and grow and it feels like like all right we got to address this 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 and then okay this episode we're going to address these three things you're like i kind of wish that had two three episodes to kind of go somewhere like if jamie's in the clear after one apology session then like i don't know that was funny actually that was good the apology session was good but i I mean ending so quickly was less good in my mind as i was like timelining this out megan i was trying to think of like the last season Ted comes in halfway through the season in mm-hmm. season one, right? So he's he's really the interim caretaker manager at that point. And so they have less time to work with, which I mean, I think makes everything seem more properly spaced out. This year, they're trying to fit an entire season into 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think they do, as I was like going through this in my brain, I think they do have to speed some stuff up, even if it, it doesn't always feel perfect, I mean, you know? It does feel like winter already, so just, I mean, I feel like we're in November right now. Isn't next week Christmas? Yeah. 
you know, next week's a Christmas episode. I don't know. I hot take. I know a lot of people found the lead tasso thing funny. I thought it was kind of corny. Yeah. I think it was not my favorite page. part at all. No. All right. What about, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it, but Jamie Tart and then into Sam in the dressing room. Um, you know, Ted addressed it uh, in the press conference saying that, you know, he wanted to be his, what did he say? What was the example he used? His, um, I don't know, like mentor, right? It but was he, like he, a, no, it was uh, Mr. Miyagi. He wanted yes. to be Mr. Miyagi minus all the yard work. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, he clearly feels like he owes or has a role for Jamie and he's brought him back. Jamie seems to be in a pretty good mental state um, from a playing standpoint. Uh, I love seeing Keely walk his ass right into Dr. Fieldstone's office. And she's like, she gets paid. Damn it. You're getting ahead of yourself. Well, okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right. I'll stick back to the field. So anyways, I'll go back to Jamie in training. Uh, He seems to be in the right right headspace. He's happy to go on the reserves. He's happy to earn his place back. Um, And he gets a crunching tackle from Sam, who then gives him a little bit of the business, as you put it, Nick. But... um, yeah, Jamie seems to be in the right space, Megan, as far as like he understanding his role on the team. Yeah, I'm going to hold thoughts because it skips to the end of what we're going to talk about. But yes. Nate, you, you want to talk about I, him getting the business? Yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I think if you played sports growing up and, and you know, this is just part of it, you screw up the next few training sessions are not going to be a hell of a lot of fun for you. And it was, it was nice to at least see a little bit of that in the episode. It was nice to see, you know, Sam's growth as, as a player, I'm going to stick to the player part for right now, uh, where he is not this guy who's timid or like unsure of himself anymore. He's clearly one of the better players on the team now. And so he just let him know, let him know that he was there a little friendly, a little friendly slide tackle. And I think that's, that's good for the balance of the team too. It, it makes it makes Sam a bigger character in the season, which is great. You know, I think he's a wonderful. I think Tohib Jimo is his name. He's a wonderful actor, um, and is clearly the star of this one. But uh, yeah, I, I love that there's kind of some different players emerging too. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. So should we go ahead and move to off the pitch a little bit? And this yes. is where clearly so so much happened. Um, all right, I'm going to do like a half review, then we can keep going. So sad sort of a sassy dropping her daughter off, which is apparently Rebecca's goddaughter. Her name is Nora dropped her off for an extended weekend with aunt stinky, mm-hmm. uh, Ted and sassy have an awkward, but fun exchange. Should we touch on that just real quickly? It was great, man. Apparently, I, Ted's a talker. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was hilarious. Like they, that was such a good like cold open to the show to have her just chilling outside and then to walk into, you know, kind of taken from episode one, the little girl talk scenario that they were, that they were rolling out. That was great. And she's a great recurring character. Uh, so I, I want to see more of her in the, in the season. Very much. I just thought it was interesting because they never, that was the first we found out that Rebecca knew and it was just so nonchalant Yeah, that she knew that they had slept together. Really? Like we just got gloss over that. that? Come well, on. I think they already knew. Yeah. Oh, as as uh, the audience, we didn't know that they knew. Uh, yeah. yeah. They first time acknowledging it. And then it was such a Michael Scott line. Uh, it, is she mine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that was well done. I like that. She's like, Ted, that was like six months ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't do the math on that one. Okay. <laughs> it's like uh, I, had, I had very strong flashbacks. Um, 
are we shipping Ted and Sassy? I mean, no. How are you feeling about that? No. Do you do you like them as a pairing or no? Um, I think I need to see more. Terrible couple name. Tell you Ted how much. And sassy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. So then we hit Nora and Rebecca, and they went on a number of adventures, rekindle the relationship. Horrific for Rebecca. <laughs> Clearly needed to knock the the dust off. Um, then all of a sudden Nora and her having very adult conversations. Um, and she wasn't this little kid anymore. You know, she's a, an early teen and, um, yeah, I, I think it just, it, it, it was, I was surprised at how quickly she became a centerpiece to this episode, Nora specifically, um, going from little kid to the cameo with, uh, um, Oh my gosh, just a sec. With uh, Roy and obviously his niece and how that kind of just clicked for him. Again, Roy just continues to deliver. Um, Rushing it. But yeah, Megan, Nora was, she was great. She was great. And maybe I'm a little too skeptical. Maybe I'm a little too realistic sometimes for TV. But if the math serves, she's what, 12? I think she's like 12 or 13. Right. Cause it was like the whole thing was, she was six the last time she had seen her and it had yep. been like six years. So I was a little like, wow, she's very, uh, colorful language for a 12 year old. My niece is 13 and you know, my niece is smart and can talk eloquently, but I'm wow, Nora's fruity. Street smart. Yeah. For 12 years old. Yeah. But I mean, if you, especially when you got to that email part, I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't think the apple fell too far from the old sassy tree on that one. No. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and then obviously we'll get to a little bit later when, uh, yeah, Nora and Rebecca have to stand up to their big sponsor. Um, speaking of sponsorship, Sam finally gets a big marketing opportunity with Dubai air. Uh, soon finds out through text with his family that uh, Dubai Air is a subsidiary of Cetherium Oil, who is literally destroying his home country of Nigeria. And he immediately hits an, uh, just an identity crisis on what he does. He was so excited to, to have this photo shoot. He, you know, he felt like, you know, he's no longer in anyone's shadow, Nick. And then the very real, real world example of something that could happen hit him. And he seemed to work through it real quick. Didn't have a lot of hesitation. Yeah, I don't I don't think the do the rightest thing title was really something that he had to struggle with. I think mm. that's probably just in his character uh, as as we find out throughout most of season one and, and into the season. Um, and he probably leads on that front. I mean, should or should could he have just taken the money and run? Of course but that's not really kind of what he's all about. And I think he's far more worried about making his family proud than he is about any additional sponsorship dollars that come in. So that was like domino one of the do the right thing scenario. And then I think you just keep falling down all the way. So then the, the situation kind of speeds up, Megan, where Rebecca calls the CEO of Sirithium. They said, cool, can you get us out of this situation? She's like, hey, no problem. By the way, can you do me a favor? Uh, yeah, just release Sam from the team completely. So total total dirtbag move on his part, you know? And uh, it kind of just put now Rebecca in this huge situation. Do I do what's right for the club financially? 
Do I do what's right morally? And now both of them are kind of like in these uh, potential sticky situations. Yeah, I mean, this is like where there's so many layers to unpack and where when I said beautiful case study, like, you know, the sports business nerd in me was like, oh, whoa, like this is this could really happen. I mean, it does happen probably more often than we realize. To Nick's point, I think what Sam did wasn't very surprising. You know, Nigerian culture is so rich and family means everything and making your family proud means everything. So the decision he had to make while it was tough wasn't surprising, but what was a little bit surprising was just how quickly Keely was like, oh, it's okay, sure, you can, you know, bow out of your contract. Like, it doesn't work that way in the real world. You know, the ads had already aired, contracts were probably already signed. It would have been a lot more difficult of a transition than just, it's fine, you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think, I guess I've never really seen the inside of what a situation like this would look like for the CEO to tell Rebecca, like, oh yeah, it's fine, just release him. What? Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. He doesn't care, right? He doesn't care at all. Yeah. Um, even, even though ironically his subsidiary company sponsors the team and you'd want the team to do well, this would clearly hurt them on the pitch, but it wasn't an issue for him. Uh, Nick, Rebecca seemed to step up, same thing, knock it out of the park. Like, yep. She, like she almost jumped in over Keely. Cause I think Keely felt like she had to make the decision. And she was, she was not ready to make that decision, especially all the time she'd poured in. Rebecca's like, Sam, you absolutely don't have to do it. I'll give him a call. And then fucking Creepo was like, well, if my wife can watch, like that yeah. was, oh, and, yeah. and talking about the layers, Megan, right? Like we yeah. were just piling them on. Yeah. yeah. This, this is where Nora, Blackmail. this is where Nora played a pretty big role, I think in the episode, because sans Nora being there, does Rebecca say you can get out of it right away or is she trying to impress her goddaughter? And so that's, you know, I think there's just like this reverse psychology a little bit about Nora being there that kind of turns Rebecca into the best version of herself. Um, and, and I kind of, I thought that was a really interesting part of that whole dynamic and especially, you know, kind of post that, you know, that little exchange, how they kind of grew together after that point. Um, because it's clear that Nora is probably the more uh, mature one at this stage. <laughs> uh, just seems that way. Well, and then I, I think it's kind of interesting too, because um, Rebecca is a very confident woman mm. on the exterior, but as we learned in season one, she's really not, you know, after her divorce and, you know, Googling Rupert's new women, she obviously has some insecurities. So I think had Nora not been there, she probably would not have had the confidence to send such a matter of fact email. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, don't think she would have been so point blank about the situation, sans Nora. Yeah. I think she would have questioned a lot more of her decisions. Yeah, I could see that. And look, obviously this episode is tying very relevant things, you know, together from the real world to AFC Richmond. You talk about uh, players taking the knee in the Premier League all the last season, even at the Olympics and not every team taking a knee at the Olympics and, potential players booing while their national team players take the knee. Um, then you've got, uh, look, I always talk about the Cutter World Cup. I think that that is unbelievable that that is continuing to be allowed to go on. I mean, like human rights civilizations are very well documented, but we see Cutter Airways sponsoring Barcelona, PSG, you know, or I guess maybe not PSG, but multiple teams, right? And again, these players have to make the decision if they even can, like, do they, are they just a pawn in a bigger 
game? Do they have an opportunity to speak out? And when it comes to financial sponsors, usually you don't, Nick. Usually the club are just sitting there trying to maximize revenues and saying, we're just an advertising vehicle. What they do is their business. Like, we can only do so much. It's an interesting place where sports and, and culture are kind of colliding right now. Um, the values are being claimed by a lot of sports teams, a lot of sports owners, and yet the almighty dollar still reigns supreme in a lot of cases. And so you have this conflict that's happening, not, you know, not just in this fake scenario that they, you know, stage off of real life stuff, but also in the real world. And I think a lot of people watch this episode and like, yeah, there's probably sponsors on my team that I support that I don't love, right? Or maybe my ownership group isn't exactly what I would hope for in an ownership group or something like that. So I think there was just a really nice, um, it, not over the top, but I think it was a nice uh, ground, bit of groundwork that they laid in this to have you think a little bit more critically about uh, the sponsors that are involved in, in sports and how all of that works because you cannot just separate the dollars that a sponsor gives a team to what that sponsor potentially does in their real world. Yeah. And in this scenario too, we're not just talking about any sponsor. We're talking about their kid sponsor, Mm. like the largest sponsor, the biggest placement, the biggest impressions. Like this isn't just signage on the side of the pitch. This is their biggest sponsor. So that's why it was so fascinating to me. Well, which takes us to the next point is when Sam courageously puts tape over the Dubai Air logo on their home shirt. Uh, he turns around and I think people ask him, you know, what's going on? And he's like, and he explains the situation very eloquently, very clean, very direct. And just like, I can't support them. And it sounds like one of his teammates is from Nigeria too. So he's like, immediately like, yep, I'm in. And then, you know, obviously Jamie Tart jumped in and in the most un Jamie Tart response saying like, we're one team, we wear the same jersey, like, I got your back, and then everyone jumped in. I wonder, Megan, do you think that, do you think it would have like happened so quickly in like a modern day locker room? Or is that a little bit of like TV magic for them just be like, yeah, everyone rally around? I personally think it was a little bit of TV magic because there's always going to be the few athletes that, you know, don't want to ruin future sponsorship dollars don't want to ruin their own brand, probably like their agents or their publicists are going to be upset at them. There's a lot more layers there where I don't think it would be an immediate let's everyone's going to cover up and tape their kit. I think that specific scenario is in my opinion, a little bit of TV magic because as we even see with athletes kneeling during the anthem, it, it takes some time and some education and some conversations before people start to understand the undertones and the, and the intentions. And then, then they get on board. So I think in this scenario, in my opinion, it was a little Hollywood magic. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was. I think the the thing you have to, two things that are, are kind of floating in my brain at the same time. The, the first is again, just the general timeline. How does this team get back on track? They need a rallying moment. This is a rallying moment that works you know, we'll, we'll move on to Christmas next episode and it'll be fine. But, um, but then I, I do believe at the same point that is this the only thing that matters this season? Is this particular topic the only thing that matters or is there a bigger boss yeah. that you have to defeat down the road? And this is, you know, but a pawn in that game. And I think that's probably how it's going to play out is this is 
simply just a moment where the team kind of gels a little bit and maybe gets off the schneid and starts winning again or something like that. Look, they can go either or, Nick. They could say this is a distraction. You saw the photographers clamoring on that, the media afterwards asking Sam being very pointed in saying that the Nigerian government is corrupt. And, you know, it could be a massive off the pitch distraction, which it, a lot of times it can be because now that's the only thing you ask the players about. Like they're on the pitch for us. Doesn't matter. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, Nick, I'll throw it over to you. The press conference speaking of that was super, I miss this and I'm glad you called it out. Uh, but I'm glad Ted Lasso is back and Led Tasso wasn't out there. Um, but really pointed, like I, there's, this show is so deep and some of the biggest points like this go undetected because you're, I was focused on Sam coming up and what was Sam going to say? Yet Ted just delivered an absolute dagger. It was was the best moment of the, it was his best moment of the the whole second season so far. The the ironic part about Ted Lasso season two so far is it's been pretty absent of Ted. (laughs) for a lot of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, but this was a moment, you know, the, you know, talking to Jamie was a moment in the previous episode where you, you remember that this is the the glue guy to the show. And when he uh, goes up there and says, look, you know, Sam obviously had a lot to say. It was very courageous. I'm going to let you talk to him about it. But one thing that you have to notice you, the press is that when bad stuff happens to people like me, and he points, you know, he does uh, points to his skin color, uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need a protest for you to write about it, right? It, mm-hmm. you, you'll just write about it, and, and it'll get the proper amount of attention. And that is that to me is just one of those little things that endears this character to the rest of the team. Is he is incredibly aware, although maybe not living a shared experience, but he's incredibly aware that. He has privilege, right? That he's a he's a in this scenario, rich white guy who's been coaching uh, college and pro sports now for a number of years, and and because of that, has a platform, and he and he does it very subtly. He doesn't do it in a big, you know, kind of showy way. But I think the rest of you know they they pan to the press right after that scene, and a lot of them kind of like look at him like, holy shit, like what just happened? And then Sam gets up there, and then you know all hell breaks loose a little bit, which is which is good um, for for him and the cause. Yeah, a lot of details like that make it I miss too. And like, this is a show you almost have to watch it two, three times, to like pick up on these things. Nick is doing a good job on it. But uh, again, monster blow uh, that I think a lot of people missed. Yeah, I missed that. And I'll say too, because I watched season one, I binged it. So this is um, a new experience for me to watch it weekly. Mm-hmm. And so kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier about, you know, the timeline and the context and like the bigger picture, it's hard for me to look at it through this lens. Cause I just did the binge and then binged it like five more times. after that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I missed that line, but that's incredible. I'm going to have to watch yeah. it again. Yeah. Super, super impressive. All right. Well, let's go ahead and hit the main theme of this one, which we think is the wisdom of youth, which isn't the old adage. So actually, so while in the last episode, Jamie proclaimed old people are so wise, they're like tall Yoda's. The show completely turned the narrative on its head in episode three. And so instead, the youngest stars this episode brought the most wisdom to the table. Uh, Sam's episode, uh, spoilers for the last kind of part of the script, but uh, not only has he grown as a player and a leader on the pitch, he's clearly respected by the team, enough to stage a full protest of the team's biggest sponsor. He might be young, but he's wise behind his ears. His moral compass, his professional compass is spot on, and he is growing into an absolute star this episode. 
Um, it is great, but I, I want to talk about Nora again. Mm-hmm. The cigarette smoking in the bathroom, Nora. <laughs> um, yeah, she's tough as nails, man. It's it's this was a very good character to bring into this episode. It's it's a it's a heavy episode for Ted Lasso, right? I mean, this is a comedy series after all. Um, and so when they tackle big important issues it can seem heavier than if a drama did it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so to bring in someone who adds so much levity uh, and wisdom at the same time was, was a really smart play. I think the actress is wonderful uh, who played this role, but uh, you, you could argue she was the wisest person in any room that she was in. Uh, maybe sans the one that she was in with Sam uh, who she loves, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, um, so this is just a character, Megan, that I thought was a really good addition uh, to to the squad here, and, and hopefully we get another uh, appearance or two. Yeah, she you know provided a, a tiny bit of comedic relief without it being um, forced. I think that's what was really beautiful about this episode with this type of topic. When a lot of shows try and relate real current events to their scripted show, it just seems so cheesy, and like you know what they're trying to do, and they're trying to hit that moment, but they did it in such a tactful and not forced way. And so bringing Nora in to provide a little bit of comedy without it being too strained too far from the point of the show was just perfectly done. And I mean, I know Sassy's character isn't really um, a main character in the, in the series, but they definitely have to come back for something because she's great. Yeah, for sure. And again, I, I, I have to shout out the Roy Kent cameo dropping relationship advice just gold last episode and now dropping not parenting advice, but essentially right. Connecting with kid (laughs) advice. You're sitting here going, he's got this deep, low grumbly voice, but he's like the most emotionally available guy ever. I I, I love, I love when Rebecca's like, she loves you. His knees. She loves you. Like, I know it's fucking annoying. It's just such a, it's such a good Roy Kent moment. Cause you know, he cares, you know, he's a big fucking softy, but, but it's just, you have to keep the facade up, right? You have to keep, the walls up, the guard up, and he's really, really good in that moment. <laughs> oh, you yeah, actually to like took a screenshot of attention. that. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. Uh, he's probably been well, aside from Sam this episode, the best this season. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of the best last season, mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it just goes back to though they're doing a really good job rotating through all these really strong characters. The, the last one, though, even though she's the, the oldest of this bunch, but she's young in comparison to a lot of characters, uh, Keely is is really strong in this episode, too. I think you're seeing her grow as a professional, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and where before she was famous for being almost famous in, in this kind of elite crowd-ish, she's actually mm-hmm. trying to give the, the marketing PR thing a go. Um, and so, you know, for her just to recognize that Jamie needs to talk to somebody that isn't her, someone who's qualified, uh, I think that's that's a really great moment. And, you know, I think is is probably something that is going to you'll see repeated over and over this season that that Dr. Sharon's going to play a significant role in a lot of these uh, folks lives. I love seeing Keely in her role. She's so good at it. Yeah, and again, for her to not even let the door crack open <laughs> and handled it with maturity, but also with care for Jamie, 
to be like, you do need someone to listen to you. And she goes, it's not me. <laughs> Here's someone who gets paid to listen to you. <laughs> and it was just like, that was the right play. And then obviously it leaves with Jamie going, so I just talk about myself to you. And she's like, yeah, pretty much. She's like, oh, all right. <laughs> like, she's like, this will be good. <laughs> um, all right. Let's hit up the crown and anchor crown and anchor pub trivia. These be weird questions and observations in case you miss them. So Nick, this is where your moment to shine. That's right. This is my, the section I love. Uh, in his third reincarnation, what did Ted come back as? It's a very uh, early on in the episode. If you need to rewatch, um, another goofy one is what did Colin say that banter the app reminded him of? I do that remember that funny. One. That was a little like quip in there. They have elite, these little darts in the show. That was one. Yeah. And then the the final one, the final question is: What accusation did Zoro say that sounded better in French after Richard called Jamie out? Was it? calling him a jaundiced worm which was just amazing uh was it cupping a fart and putting it in his face or was it hitting on his mom in front of his dad as a as a multiple choice question for you yeah. all things that, were said yeah, which one things, those were all true things but uh which one was it uh yeah that that section that jamie apology thing was funny as hell they did a really good job with that ted had to cut it off it was it was <laughs> Getting out of control. Move it on. Yep. And into a roast. Yeah. All right. Any surprises that we have? Um, mine was that Coach Beard didn't push back more on Led Tasso being let out of the box, even though he knew it wouldn't help. He knew how it would end. And I just felt like that was a little bit on him. I mean, he's kind of Ted's handler, you know, keeping him pointing in the right direction. And I, I, I was surprised that he just didn't put up more of a thing. He, he pretty much folded like a chair pretty quickly. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that beard hasn't played a bigger role so far this season. He's kind of been a background character and hasn't really had any great lines or anything like that. It's been, it's been a little odd. Um, but you know, that's that is a it's a good one i I think mine and i actually put it in megan's part of the script (laughs) uh mine was uh when ted's walking out beard's supposed to have his coffee waiting for him they're supposed to walk to work together whatever yeah and and shannon who is is just this recurring character who's always not megging ted or whatever uh asks him when they're gonna win a fucking match it's it's awesome it's 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 a really good point of levity and i think you know kind of catches him off guard and, and you're reminded in that moment they still haven't won a match you know mm-hmm. amidst all this other stuff that's going on that's it's still a through line so i like that a lot yeah any any surprise for you megan we kind of touched on it my biggest surprise was jamie i mean like we talked about it earlier he had he had nowhere to go man city didn't want him back nowhere wanted him so afc richmond was his only spot um and he knew that i think i was just a little surprised at his willingness to be a good friend mm-hmm. and teammate and to kind of like tail between the legs apologize first of all to the locker room and stand in solidarity with sam and just basically not be an asshole i mean there's a point to it there's intention but it's just not the jamie we know and it was very surprising and so i'm curious to see like we were talking about as the season goes on does he regress back to who he is because 
that is who he is. He's just kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him funny. And that's what all of season one, you know, you kind of had that antagonist that you got to love and hate. So if Jamie's just a nice guy, I'm curious to see how the rest of the season goes, but I don't believe he's just a nice guy. Something's going to give. Yeah. The, the show needs a foil. I, I do. I do think he'll find some sort of middle ground between the current version and the previous version. And he'll still be a little, you know, pain in the ass for most of the time. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting if he is the nice guy, let's say he just stays this way, which is an interesting you know, thing and probably not as compelling, frankly, um, who becomes the foil Th- then you have the, ne- then you have to go find the next thing. And that's going to be, that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Two, two things I still want to point out is that Roy is still an amazing pundit. <laughs> oh, those are so good. Those I scenes are amazing. So keep those coming. And anytime you get Arlo white, you know, like something subtle and hilarious is coming. And they talk about how they didn't think it take it, how they're like asking how long would it take the fans to warm up to Jamie Tart after what he did to him, and then you cut to the pub and you hear Tart 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 Tart, yeah. <laughs> and they're just Jamie Tart, <laughs> just like him. And it's true, like Chelsea, right? We're signing Lukaku again, and this, and you're like Holland, who we've got the greatest player in the world. <laughs> it's yeah. just like classic sports fan amnesia. <laughs> You can help us win. Great. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> that, that, that was a perfect. I, I think we said this in our first episode that we did, which was a season one recap. The, the, at the point in season one where I knew they were going to get the show right was the pub scenes because yeah. we, we've, we've been over there. We know what they're like. They're some of my favorite places in the world to be. Frankly, I love English pubs and the fact that they got those characters, that mix of characters and the scenes and the, all the stuff that they say, they, they got that so right was kind of an indication they were going to get a lot more stuff right. Yeah. All right. Winner. Has Roy even seen Ted yet? No. 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 He did see Rebecca, obviously, but again, but yeah, yeah. no. No. He's still avoiding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. Let's wrap up with a little winner, winner, football dinner. Who do we think won the episode? In a clean sweep, Megan, no arguments. I said Ty, Sam, and Nora together, group picture, her life was made. <laughs> He's just such one you know, a, one two B. different storylines, but yes, exactly. Sam and Nora. Yeah. Nick, I mean, we, we are right there. I put Nora, switch it to Sam, but it's the same thing. Like, they're a one-two punch in this episode. As I've been fighting with Dan more and more lately, uh, we were <laughs> we were trying to figure out I think Sam won the episode. I think he's a wonderful actor. I think it was clearly his episode to win. But the fact that Nora took me by such a, you know, took me by surprise so much in this episode, I should say, um, I was very close to awarding it to her because I thought she she added something so different and unique to the episode. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's tough not to not to give it to Sam. And, and this is a winner-take-all moment. So we're going to split Megan's points, and I think we're going to give the the slight victory to slam um, because he, he deserved it. He's going to be a big part of the season too, which is good. Yeah. That was just, he was incredible that episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that that's it. There's another episode in the books, but I, I will throw it out there. Any, anything that we missed last chance to touch anything, Nick. Um, no, okay. no, I think I've, I think I've covered it. Yeah. Right. Megan. 
Yeah. My uh, memory is not serving me well. I'm going to rewatch it and then later be like, guys, we totally forgot to talk about this. And that that is a okay. Um, um, this was, I think, my favorite episode so far. Uh, like I said, I was, I was, I just, I appreciated all the different storylines that they had and all the different complexities and things that they tied together. As I'm starting to, I think, understand show writing and series at a deeper level, rather than just the words and the visuals on screen that happened, and that this is quite the complex show. Uh, and, and they have a lot of things intertwining and leaving and coming back and, and going. And I'm sure whatever kind of like a, a storyboard they have is an entire wall of a boardroom because uh, they, they're doing a really good job. I, I just remembered my the thing I was going to say. Sorry. Um, You're welcome. When, thank you. Um, when right before Lead Tasso was introduced, um, I think it was Nate. They were like, what are we get like basically what are we gonna do to like fix this situation? Because they were talking about it being a last resort. And Nate was like, Should we call Sharon? In? Yeah. And he's yeah. like, No, absolutely not. Lead Tasso is the answer. Like, mm-hmm. and so there is going the conflict that's coming because of a moment like that, and because of like the previous kind of weird interactions that they've had together, is that he and Sharon are gonna square off and it'll be really interesting to see how that works. Uh because yeah. he's she clearly is going to have an edge on him, but he's also not going to be a normal run of the mill jock for mm-hmm. her to uh, try and like crack on. And I, I think there's, that's going to be a really interesting dynamic that they, that they go through. I think they're going to have a good battle. Well, Ted is really good at covering up the cracks. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, and I think that's it. That's it. Where I think football players are getting seen as a little bit more surface level, Megan. Mm-hmm. Right. So Ted, mm-hmm. he, he he's been through the divorce. He doesn't see his family. Yeah. Had the one night stand, like, but he has positivity and chipperness and yeah. cheer to cover it. But it's running thin. That's why I'm so interested in the storyline specifically and the way that him and um, I keep calling her Doc, but I'm just gonna call her Doc. Yeah, um, him so. and yeah, <laughs> they interact. Is um, I know it's gonna be a big part of the season because the positivity. Obviously, we learned season one was annoying to his wife and just in my experiences and the things I've learned personally in therapy, like you're masking something. And so like, we love Ted for who he is. We love him for his like positivity and his, you know, quirkiness, but there's something underlying there that she's going to bring out and he knows it. And that's why he's avoiding her at all costs. And is like upset that Higgins and Beard kept her and all the things. So I'm very, very curious to see how this all gets unpacked and what we learn about him because he like, avoids her at all costs mm-hmm. I, I think it's gonna be his dad i have a pretty good feeling that um, it's so when he you know he obviously did the darts scene in in, in season one that was the first kind of reference point because he that. said it was like what 16 yeah and then yeah. and then when he was talking to jamie they were talking about you know their their fathers and and that it and this father figure thing has become like the big part of this season now so i'm Makes pretty sense. sure there's gonna be a like, like reveal at some point that that's like the trigger and that's kind of why he is who he is like Makes maybe a overcompensating sense. a little bit that's kind of where i think that's going all right Interesting. Well, hey. 
More episodes to come. We're three of 12 down, so plenty more to come. But again, Megan, thanks so much for joining yeah. us. Thanks for having me. Love this is great. Collab. Well, hey, like I said, we got nine more episodes. So anytime <laughs> you want, you just let us know. I'll pick um, and choose my favorites that I exactly. want to Exactly. <laughs> yeah, watch first, then I'll wait respond. for my check. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.